Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome on the Wednesday before the presidential debate. We just want to let you know in advance, so it's before the debate. Not a lot of coverage this morning on the debate. The news media seems to be taking Trump's cue and saying, without me, who would watch it? I think lots of people would enjoy it. Today we wanted to discuss the latest research emanating from our Free Speech America division. Uh, Here to speak with us again is Dan Schneider, Vice President of Free Speech America and all-around good guy. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tim. It's a good day to be with you. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to go first to the new... Google search results. The Today Show is celebrating the 25th anniversary of Google, probably because it was founded by a couple of Obama bros. Um, But uh, you keep finding that entering the most common, maybe boring website searches gives you intriguing results. It makes you wonder what kind of cockeyed algorithm these people are using. You just put in the words presidential campaign websites and you get Biden and you get Marianne Williamson, who most people don't even remember she's running again, and Will Hurd, who most people really don't know is running for president, the former congressman, Republican congressman from Texas. Who polls at 0% and has not been able to make a debate stage. So, yes, we have to ask ourselves the question. No Trump, no DeSantis, no Ramaswamy, Pence, Haley, Scott, Christie. What is going on? What, what, I mean, I just would wonder as, as a gearhead, how do you do a search that's that bad? Yeah, well, I've said this to you before, Tim. Google is the font of all evil. (laughs) There's a reason that NBC is glorifying in it because NBC is bad. So, of course, they're going to put a a crown on the king of bad, which is Google. Yes. Well, so I guess go to DuckDuckGo. Well, you know, DuckDuckGo is also biased to the left in most cases. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't steal your data, apparently. (laughs) Now, if you're actually going to go to a search engine that isn't biased, that you try Tusk. But but Google... I thought that was a Fleetwood Mac song. No, Tusk is a is a reliable search engine. Okay. That, it's not so well known, but it's it's a reliable search engine that's not biased to the left, like Google is. Well, now that it's been mentioned on the Newsbusters podcast, boom, it's like Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, it, it, the results on the first page did include a link to a Library of Congress page that somehow referred to Trump's website from 2020. Well, that's that's when we did a search specifically for Republican presidential Oh, I got it campaign. in just the presidential campaign websites when I tried it. Okay, well, well but it's so, still useless. So, in fact, your listeners will probably try their own searches, and and results will vary. Mm-hmm. But when uh, my friends and family have done these, the basic results have held true. Mm-hmm. When when we did our official MRC. Google search study, we did three three main searches. The first one was just a general search that was not connected to a party, you know, just presidential campaign websites. The second one was specifically about Republican presidential campaign websites, 
on the eve of the the Republican debate. And then we also did Democrat presidential campaign websites. And all three of these searches produced shocking results. I mean, you know, when we did Republican presidential campaign websites, Google produced two campaign websites. One was for Marianne Williamson, <laughs> who somehow a Democrat who's polling very badly, somehow found her website on uh, as a search result. And the other one, again, was Will Hurd, who, uh, again, is basically polling at zero in every one of the early states. He might be able to beat Marianne Williamson, but the <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, this is where, yes, you just ask yourself the question. If you're like an eighth grade kid and your assignment is, um, your assignment tonight is to write down all the web addresses of the presidential campaigns proving that you at least tried to go there and look at it for 10 seconds. A Google search is not going to be helpful. It, 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 when you put in presidential campaign websites, wouldn't you expect we would on the first page get Pence, DeSantis, Haley, Scott, and but, that. But do you know who you do get? You get Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> who ran for president four years ago. Those campaign websites are far more likely to turn up in in your audience audience's searches than Trump or DeSantis or Ramaswamy or Haley or Pence or Scott, you know, or the others. Now, including the guy from New Jersey who who loves the boss, and I just detest. <laughs> Him or the boss or both? Both of them. Uh, okay, there you go. You know, I don't, one of the reasons I don't like Chris Christie is because he likes <laughs> Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen so much. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's just home state, you know, so on and so forth. Like the governor Bruce of Wisconsin likes Polka. Bruce Springsteen yells and sweats better than any man I've ever met. <laughs> He's a great yeller. He's also not my favorite. I'm with you on that one. But I just, now I will say this. If you're an eighth grader and you just say, well, I'm going to try typing in DeSantis for president. When I did that, I get Ron DeSantis's website right away. And underneath, this was the amusing part. Underneath, I got a whole pile of news articles about how DeSantis campaign is dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when we did these searches... You know, for example, the Republican presidential campaign websites, when we, we did the, that search again, we got Marianne Williamson and then Will Hurd. We did get links to stories about these candidates. And of course, almost all the stories that, that Google, the font of all evil, that Google produced were from CNN and MSNBC mm -hmm. and ABC extolling how evil each of these uh, Republican candidates are. And I, yeah, so when I, on the first page, when I tried this near the bottom, I got an Axios.com piece from 2020 about campaign websites. And then I got a Pew Research Center thing from 2012. And I'm like, why would you put a 2012 article on your, the front page of your results? But that also underlines your whole point. Axios, trusted source, Pew Research Center, trusted source. Which sort of leads me into the other thing that you uh, have been working on over there, your investigators, and that is something called Ad Fontes Media, F-O-N-T-E-S. Now, they create one of these media bias charts. I always make fun of them because they always, always, you know, have like NPR in the middle. <laughs> 
Which the North is like, Star. The North Star, NPR. You, you clearly never listen to NPR if you're going to put them at the in the middle, first of all, uh, is hilarious. They're not in the middle at all. And then, yes, what you tend to find, uh, and I wasn't surprised, but it's worse than I expected, it's not just a matter of where you are on the scale because you can say, oh, let's debate whether uh, you know NPR is on the left or the right. It's that th this chart also has uh, reliability, fact reporting on the top. And here again, AP, PBS, Reuters, you know, fact reporting. We all know that that's not right. And then, of course, as you go down, it becomes selective, incomplete, unfair, persuasion, propaganda, or other issues. Yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> right. Yeah, so this chart, if you, the higher up you are, the more reliable you're deemed to be, and the lower, of course, the less reliable. And uh, and you know, there, there's a magic line. You know, it, the the number of this line is forty. But if you're above that forty line, forty and above, you've reached their gold standard of pure reliability. And I don't even understand this, Dan, because it seems like. The, the ceiling is 56. That's the, the maximum on this chart. I mean, why do you start at 56? The 40 and above is what they d d they deem wholly reliable. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, this chart has a left and a right side to it. And uh, the, the chart that's publicly available, if people go on to the Ad Fontes website, you're gonna see a cherry-picked chart. It's a deceptive chart. The chart makes it appear as if ad fontes is pure as the driven snow that there appears to be this you know similar numbers of organizations on the left and the right and similar treatment in terms of reliability that is a false chart two-thirds of the left of center organizations the organizations they say are left of center two-thirds actually do in fact earn their gold standard the gold medal for reliability half that percentage on the right actually achieves that gold standard but in reality and we've done we've done the analysis if you pull up our story on newsbusters and and read it you'll see we created what is called a scatter chart but not just 180 cherry picked organizations but all 3200 organizations plotted on this chart and you can see that the great majority of organizations actually are are on the left and Two-thirds of them, Ad Fonte says, is wonderful. Where on the right, they push you know, a majority of the conservative organizations down beneath the reliability standard. And, and, and I will say that um, this podcast <laughs> by Tim Graham, Newsbusters own Tim Graham, it, it's deemed unreliable. Yes. And Newsbusters itself is also unreliable and i don't know if it's a a badge of honor or not but tim you are deemed slightly less unreliable yeah. less evil yeah than newsbusters as a whole that is that is kind of curious i don't know if it's because i said guys biden won i mean is that is that enough i mean <laughs> <laughs> oh they, they that that would have helped you out by ad fontes in fact the, here's there are a number of things that are just completely terrible about its methodology the most obvious one is that when they have opinions about things when they're evaluating stories 
their opinions become the facts. So the Hunter Biden laptop story. Yeah, they rated different stories from uh, from four years ago when the Hunter Biden laptop was a thing. And those stories that they rated, if they described the Hunter Biden laptop in a genuine way, those stories were downgraded by Ad Fontes. But organizations that were critical of Hunter Biden and his laptop and had uh, were skeptical about the honesty uh, within that boy and his father. Those articles were, were downgraded by Ad Fontes. Did I, say, did I say that right? Did I get the order right? But Ad Fontes is biased. It, it also, and I interviewed the president of right. Ad Fontes. Right, that's where I was going. Is it Vanessa Otero? That's right. And uh, you made a big point. The MRC obviously did a detailed opinion survey of 1,750 swing state voters that pulled the lever for Biden. We found 82% of Biden voters were unaware of at least one of eight stories the legacy media had buried. We, of course, always signal out the New York Post reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop. We found one of every six voters would not have voted for Biden had they been aware of one of these, one or more of these stories before the election. So you went to her and you said, look, uh, Ed Fontes gave our poll an abysmal 11.3 reliability rating on a scale where anything below 24 is considered, you know, unreliable gunk. And she says to you, it's based on a supposition, a premise, that you advocate that the media doesn't cover these things. And she says, there was so much attention yeah. on the Hunter Biden laptop thing. We talk so, about a vague impression. So she here's an example of where she substitutes her own opinion for fact. We did this poll, and it showed, my recollection is that 45% of Biden voters had never heard of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, it's just a fact that that's what the poll reflected. It's a scientific poll done by a legitimate polling outfit. You cannot attack the poll for being unreliable. Or, well, you can. Or, Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post does. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, right. That's kind of the point. Yes. The left is all you know, collaborating to attack the right here. Uh, but it, it, the, the, the poll speaks for itself. The, the story that they rated so low simply objectively displayed the result results of the poll and her first reaction was that um the poll is wrong because plenty of people heard about it so and when pressed that well 45 percent have not heard of it the poll shows she, you know, because, you know, the media didn't cover it. She then said there's plenty of coverage, which again, completely, it, it's completely wrong. Uh, our news certainly wrong division. in 2020. Yeah. Before the election, it's certainly absolutely wrong. And you, this well, is well, a survey sure. of Biden voters, not of Breitbart people. Our own news analysis division here, um, in fact, did a poll, uh, not a poll, a story. Right. Uh, that showed uh, an analysis that showed, and I, I think I've got the data right, that over the course of 18 months, a year and a half of the three networks, there was a total coverage of the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story of 28 minutes over the course of a year and a half. And the bulk of that eight, uh, 28 minutes was devoted to criticizing people who, who questioned Hunter Biden. 
So uh, Vanessa Otero was wrong on two accounts. Uh, whether there was coverage of this uh, in the legacy media, and in fact, how much people knew. So her analysts downgraded any right of center publication that referred to these, again, substituting her own facts as if they are, or her own opinion as if they're facts. Yeah, I mean, this, this is sort of, to me, it's one thing to try to say in October of 2020 that it was somehow unverified. And, and their whole basis for that was, I don't trust it because it comes from Rudy Giuliani in the New York Post. And and it was not based on we looked at our own independent review of the laptop. And and Giuliani and company did not want to share it at that point. And perhaps that was their mistake. Um, but you know, we can be suspicious that if you give that to the Washington Post, for example. Or the FBI. Well, the FBI, how long did they sit on it? They had it in 2019. I believe, and sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. We had a funny moment, Dan. I said to uh, Bill D'Agostino yesterday, well, aren't you the FBI? And he said, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went. I m tried to mean that in an Ephraim Zimbalus Jr. type of way, but okay. But it's yes, it's that whole no notion of they suppressed it They and and when they did cover it, yes, it came covered in this, it has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, or so we're told by a group collected by Antony Blinken, you know. Well, what happens then, Miss Otero, when the New York Times confirms that the laptop is real, the Washington Post mm -hmm. confirms that the laptop is real, and Glenn Kessler knows his paper confirmed that the laptop was real, but somehow it's bad for us to ask Biden voters whether they were aware of this or not. Well, Tim, I continued down this path of inquiry. I said, okay, well, we now have the, the Biden bribery scandal that has developed out of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Why are you not rating stories about the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, and the ones that, or, or rather the Biden bribery scandal? And her response to that was, you know, given, given the, the liberal talking points, was simply, there's just no evidence of, <laughs> Biden bribery. So there's no news here. There isn't any news because there's no evidence. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of their reflexive thing, and that is to refuse, one, to refuse to investigate on your own, and then two, to when other people give you evidence, they could just hand it to you. You're still going to say, I refuse to accept it. La, 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 la. That's, that's what we're getting. So you made an important point to her which is when you're rating articles, you're rating the reliable, reliability of media outlets based on articles, you have sort of a hole in your methodology because you're not dealing with stories that there's an omission, that there's stories that they're not doing. Yeah. You're only doing the stories that they do. I mean, I'm not sure that that would change considering the way that they think you know, Vox is reliable and 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 conservative sites aren't. They have a communist Chinese news publication that is that meets their reliability standard. Yet Ben Shapiro and Ted Cruz and the Heritage Foundation and Newsbusters and Fox, we do not meet their 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 criteria yeah. for reliability. It's now they do have News Nation in the middle. That's there you go. I think that you could acknowledge that they are trying hard to be in the middle, and it, and 
they don't have great ratings. Uh, but we were just noticing this morning, Chris Cuomo actually went to East Palestine and made the point that Biden said he was coming to East Palestine, Ohio, and has yet to show. Mm. So good for News Nation. Uh, but yeah, I, I always look at these charts and say, um, when you are a liberal, yes, you naturally assume, well, the Associated Press is the you know is the is the top of the mountain and it's like yeah you're not reading the stories <laughs> yeah the associated for for your listeners the the so the associated press sets has what's called the style guide mm -hmm. and it sets the terms that all other media publications are supposed to use that you know it's when the associated press said we're no longer going to refer to people as being pro-life they're mm -hmm. anti-choice. Yeah. That's the style that the... the, the Not the, to mention all the AP. transgender uh, things you have to go through but now. The AP sets all the rules for how terms are going to be used. And, and of course, those terms are uh, skewed hard left because the editor of the AP style guide is hard left. Now, I like this. This really makes your point, too. Is Ed Fontes does like certain articles as reliable that we would look at them and say... Excuse me? They gave a reliable rating of 46 to a piece from theroot.com. That's a black leftist website. Uh, they gave 46 to a story headlined, They'll Erase Us from the Future, which basics, baselessly claimed Stacey Abrams won the 2018 gubernatorial election in georgia so gold they they gave a gold medal to that it's an election denial is good fake news is good when it's stacy abrams uh ad fontes gave a reliable score of 40.0 again the gold standard to a new york times story claiming there's no evidence of a wiretap at trump tower it was later confirmed the U.S. government under President Obama wiretapped former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort in Trump Tower. Didn't wiretap Trump, wiretapped Manafort in Trump Tower, meaning the New York Times was wrong. But Ad Fontes never went back and corrected its rating. Well, I mean, the news media never does. They're really, really bad at saying, oops. You know, did the New York Times enter a correction? And if they did, it's in small type on, on A2, where most people most people looking at a newspaper aren't saying, hey, let's go look at the corrections page. I want to know when the New York Times and Washington Post reporters return their Pulitzer Prizes that were awarded, air quotes, awarded to them when they lied about Trump being a Russian asset. Yeah, the New York, When will they return those Pulitzer Prizes? The New York Times... You know, I think the problem with the Pulitzer Prizes, Dan, is that they sort of, they're, they're very emotional. They, th they think that these are about reporting, but it's really like, gosh, you guys did the story we all liked the best. That we wanted to be true the most. And, and yes, the, the, the Pulitzer people then decided to go back and say, all right, well, let's go back and see if we were right about what the New York Times said. And they were basically like, well, when you break down the individual articles, those articles were often Robert Mueller's looking at blank. So that was true. Therefore, you can't say that we were wrong to say this reporting was excellent. No, you're, the, the entire thrust of everything they were doing at that point was implying that, yes, the election in 2016 was somehow 
if not stolen, you know, it was Ill, it was Ill, illegitimately gained between with Trump Russian collusion. Um, and yeah, they, they absolutely refused to acknowledge or admit or confess or whatever in that regard. And that's where this whole debate goes about fake news. Now, let's also underline you also dug into this quite a bit about just how much these people are political, uh, that she has this uh, Otero, has this friend of hers, is it Brad Barron's? He started uh, off as a board member, and now he's the you know a chief honcho there. And uh, yes, he published a lengthy op-ed on his Substack less than a year ago, equating social media that allows "quote unquote" agitating content. Once again, sounds like us with Nazism. Titling his piece "Social Media and the Banality of Evil." He, of course, said the most patriotic act imaginable would be for Jack Dorsey to cancel Trump. Well, that happened. But it was that whole idea that he is, like a lot of people, uh, thinks that the best thing the federal government could do is to shut down or moderate the content of conservative misinformation. So, I mean, this is where the whole, you, you sort of bring the whole thing around and to say, what Ed Fontas is about here then is something called media literacy. Right after Trump was indicted in Georgia, I believe, Ad Fontes issued a public statement on its website praising <laughs> the prosecutor for indicting Trump. Uh, and, and and again, this Barron's guy, who's one of the, the lead guys there, he called for you know then President Trump to have his, both his presidential and his personal uh, webs, uh, cam, uh, social media accounts uh, taken down. They've both given money to Democrats consistently. They've got. They both have a long. You know, Otero and this guy both have a long history of giving to Democrats. You know, publishing, posting very left wing things. Uh, you know, uh, seeing the silver lining in overturning Roe v. Wade. That this might be the avenue then for Democrats to take back the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. Very partisan people running this this supposedly nonpartisan effort to rate media outlets. Yeah, when they are trying, you always trust these people when they're trying to decide which ones are in the middle and which ones are hyper-partisan. Yeah. They sound hyper-partisan to me. Yeah. Now, again, we always say, I'm, I'm pretty partisan. I'm pretty much a conservative agitator. But I admit it, it, this is the thing that's really most annoying about the entire liberal media debate is that these people all march around and pretend to be nonpartisan and objective when everyone knows they're not. They know they're not. I mean, these guys, yeah, they didn't hide. They didn't say, I'm not going to go out of my social media or my sub stack and say, I want to see Trump in prison or whatever. I mean, it's... They're very explicit about it, but it's the whole idea now that they're going to turn this into a business that tries to, uh, you know, tell advertisers what not to advertise on. And then they want to go into the schools and teach media literacy to our kids, teach them what not to read. I mean, that's what's going on. Yeah. Well, we're going to come out with another study shortly showing how the Biden administration is getting this chart and this programming into schools all over America, spreading around the country like locusts. Yike. 
We don't need that. I need a big can of Raid. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, so I mean, I, I this is really a what you're bringing together here, and this is a this is a a really deep uh, article. It goes on and on. Now we usually try to write short articles on Newsbusters, uh, so that we don't you know tell you everything that happened on ABC News or something. This is really in depth stuff. And, and uh, you know, you will be rewarded if you dig into it. And, uh, you know, we're all here in the building happy, Dan, that you have uh, you've spurred these investigations and that really look into, dare I call it a deep state or, a, or some sort of apparatus. It is. I, look, I served in the Bush administration for a number of years. I ran a federal agency. The idea that people would scoff at the idea of a deep state, it's called the federal workforce. The great bulk of federal employees in working in D.C. are pretty hard left. And a sizable portion, maybe you only call it 5%, 5% of the whole workforce is super politicized. And they would spend their entire work day trying to take me down. And this is what they do. 5% of the federal workforce in D.C. call that the deep state. But they, anytime there's a Republican president, they spend their entire time trying to take down his political appointees. Uh, well, look, let's do it this way. Now we're going to go off the point of a tiny bit. Think about all of Trump's people that got had to resign or who left under a cloud because it was the media's job to manufacture the clouds. Tom Price, right? Some travel, something or other, lasted like nine months. You know they. So, uh, and obviously, uh, <laughs> Scaramucci, was it 10 days? I mean, <laughs> so there's this, there was... Well, okay, so you mentioned Tom Price. Let's compare and contrast to Buttigieg, right. the, the transportation secretary. Nobody even knew that he wasn't showing up for work for two months when, when we had ships piling up outside of uh, San Diego and Los Angeles, unable to, to get cargo you know, uh, off the boats. Where was our transportation secretary? He took two months off at the very beginning of his job. He's still the transportation secretary right. and even talked about being the replacement to Joe Biden as a presidential candidate. And so, yes, so there's such a, um, you know, as much as you, you could say, well, um, did Trump pick the right people? Did Trump, is, is Trump too quick to fire people? Whatever you want to say where we were like, you know, Trump had this many secretaries of state and this isn't happening under Biden. Well, one of the one of the realities here is yeah, ABC and CBS and NBC aren't running around trying to do negative stories on Anthony Blinken. You know, there's none of that. If you listen to NPR at the top of the hour, it's always, you know, what's the Biden administration going to do today at the White House? What is Anthony Blinken? Where is he in the world? It's stenographer to power stuff. And so, yes, I, I, I always think of NPR as representing exactly what you're talking about. It's a permanent federal workforce on the deep left. And to me, I start the deep state with anonymous sourcing where this is, I don't know how much you've been involved in. I, uh, I would think you'd be a good expert to ask about the whole Heritage Foundation looking into how to do the federal government in 2025. And obviously this scares the the bejesus out of the liberal media because they're like, oh my God, they're going to try to make the federal government loyal to Trump. Well, 
you don't even have to try to make the federal government loyal to Democrats because they're all Democrats. Uh, uh, you know, is is it possible for a Republican president to to somehow have a workforce that doesn't spend all of its time trying to destroy cabinet secretaries? No, <laughs> no. But but what a president needs uh, is his team on the ground. He needs to have his political appointees in place, you know, to catch the arrows that are being shot you know, at at that agency level. Uh, it, you know, you're right. The workforce in D.C. and that's where most of the decisions are made. You know, there, there are federal employees all over the country, of course. Right. But most of the, the real decisions are being made out of the, the the at the departmental level here in D.C. And the great bulk of the employees working in these cabinet in the departments are pretty hard left. And you've got to have, you know, the, the next Republican president, whoever that is, has to have political appointees in place right away to run these agencies. It's hard work. Yeah. Well, and again, I think there was always this assumption that because Trump was so anti-establishment, that Trump wasn't going to have any Bush people in his administration, or at least that would be the thought, is that you're going to end up with um, people who don't have as much deep experience in government. That's not always a plus. Sometimes people having no experience in government is refreshing. It's what government needs. But, yes, you have somebody in the press who's been at the Washington Post for 20 years. All their sources are either in the government or are presently out of the government for 10 minutes, like the Sockies and the Simone Sanderses or whatever. And, uh, yeah, that is a permanent governing elite. Whether they're in government or not, they're still sort of running the national discussion. You know, when you going back to the networks and NPR, PBS, here's something that that it's comically sad. It happens every time when there's a Republican in the White House and a cabinet secretary does something. What these networks will do is have the prior Dem the Democrat who previously served in that role to critique what the Republican is doing. But when you've got a Democrat in office. They never call on the prior Republican who held the position. Right. They call on the current office holder just yeah. to to tell everybody what he's doing. They just serve as a mouthpiece for the guy. And there's, yes, I can show you, certainly with public radio and TV, the dramatic difference between interviewing Mike Pompeo, where he actually stormed out of the NPR interview, and Anthony Blinken, who's like, oh, yes, sir, may I be nice to you? You're Anthony Blinken. Um, in fact, I found... NPR is nicer to governing officials in Iran than they are to Trump people. So, what what was it that Dan Rather asked President Bill Clinton? You know, will you ever forgive, you know, people who have attacked you or something like that? Oh well, he, he again. Dan had a history of, you know, they would they would say Bill Clinton was great because he he's he's so knowledgeable about everything. You know, he knows all about college football. He knows all about nuclear physics. I mean, and that's the kind of questioning you get. Please demonstrate your dazzling intellect, Mr. President, you know. I mean, Dan Rather to interview Saddam Hussein and say stupid stuff like, say something for us in English. <laughs> and Saddam was like, no. <laughs> all right. So, yes, this this is the perpetual problem that we have. Uh, and uh, obviously, we're going into the 2024 campaign, and regardless of what happens, uh, they are going to try to tell us 
Yes, Democrats are reliable. Republicans are always evil. And it's sad. People actually think Google is just a tool that doesn't, you know, everybody uses it. Google is like Kleenex. Its search engine is Googling. Uh, so I think if there's one thing that Dan and his team are doing here is underlining for you, yeah, don't necessarily trust that the Google search you're doing is going to point you in the right direction. might be leading you down the rabbit hole they want to lead you down. So that's why you should come read all this stuff at Newsbusters. Hit the free speech tag there at the top of the page and read what they're doing. Come to us once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.